When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Two Girls, One Ship, the podcast where we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. I'm Genesis, the girl who is not shocked at all with how many hours I have put into Baldur's Gate 3. I'm so jealous. Oh my gosh, I'm Vervada, the girl who's so jealous. I have been watching Baldur's Gate 3 like lore videos, like good to know before you play, or like the overview of the classes and the races that you can be. Because I have never played a Baldur's Gate video game, and I'm so excited. I just have to wait a little bit more time to get it on PS5, but I can't wait. I'm I'm so excited. I I have missed like high fantasy RPGs. You know, haven't really had one since Inquisition. Yeah, it's been a minute, and I think that's why it, like I'm diving so head into this because I'm like, oh, this fills a need that I've had since like Witcher. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. But then it's Witcher, you didn't, you were Geralt. I know you can do like the origins and play as one of the companions if you don't want to make your own character, which to me is like wild because I want to delve in like character creations are my most favorite things ever. Yeah. So, and I've never even aside from like the one group of friends I kind of played D&D with, but they just mainly wanted to hang out and do drugs. Um, I haven't really played D&D either. So it's going to be a whole new world. But uh, instead of more Baldur's Gate, we should go yeah. back even <laughs> further, KOTOR style. <laughs> yes, we should. If you're new here, welcome to the beautiful chaos. But you should know that our podcast centers on character and romance analysis and doesn't shy away from exploring the fun of fucking. Or from the deep emotional connections built between two or more characters using specific in-game dialogue. So if you want to stay spoiler-free, then this is definitely not the podcast or episode for you. So here's your fucking spoiler alert. Thanks for the spoiler alert, N7, even though you won't hear this because you are lost in Starfield right now. And just like with all of our previous episodes, we'll assume you have some background knowledge of the game and character in question, but we'll be providing context for those of you who may be unfamiliar. Today, we're once again going to a galaxy far, far away to a game that came out a long, long time ago. Tonight, we're discussing a romance that for many, many people was the first video game romance that really captured their hearts and imaginations. This character has been loved and lusted after for 20 years and still hits just as hard as ever. This episode is about none other than the renowned, maybe even feared, depending on how you ended your playthrough, Jedi Bastila Shan in Bioware's 2003 space opera adventure, Knights of the Old Republic. You are easily the vainest, most arrogant man I have ever met. Besides, I know you can't be serious, since I was purposefully not staring in your direction. I am a Jedi, remember? I have far too much mental discipline to reveal what goes on inside my mind with such obvious physical clues. My thoughts remain hidden, including whatever my feelings are for you. I, I mean, whatever I feel... I mean, whatever I think about you. Okay, so... 
If you don't know the voice actor, we will totally announce it. But those lines in specifically is where I hear her. Like, that's where I hear her. It's so good. I love it. (laughs) As you heard, Bastila gets a bit flustered when it comes to Revan. It's adorable. She is a human Jedi who was born on the planet Talverain. Her mom, Helena, was not a nice lady, according to Bastila. And her dad was a treasure hunter, forced to go on dangerous hunts to try and pay for her mother's lifestyle. Her mother gave up Bastila when she was young because she felt that the constant travel was not suitable for a small child. Luckily for Bastila, she she was found to have great force sensitivities and even had a rare ability called battle meditation. Very key which increased her allies' morale while demoralizing her enemies. Very cool and apparently very rare. When the Jedi Knights Revan and Malik rebelled against the Jedi Council, Bastila sided with the Council and fought in the war against the Mandalorians with the Galactic Republic. How do you know she's a light-sided Jedi? She'll tell you, just like a vegan or a crossfitter, like all of the time. And after the final battle with the Mandalorians, Revan returned from the Unknown Regions as the new Sith Dark Lord Mahaha, with Malak as the apprentice, and they launched the latest model of Sith Empire. Bastila was aboard Revan's ship when Malak betrayed Revan and tried to kill him. We'll be using he-him pronouns for Revan tonight, because in order to romance Bastila, you have to be the canon male Revan, even though Revan's kind of not actually canon. It's like a whole thing, but whatever. Yeah, the canon versus legends versus content that's not considered either. Yeah, versus Disney versus LucasArts versus whatever. Well, canon is uh, Disney and legends Legends is uh, Lucas. All of it. Yeah, it's just a whole thing. It is. It's almost like they should make a podcast about the two differences. But (laughs) it's thanks to Bastila that Revan survived. She used the Force to stabilize the nearly fatally wounded Revan, and this created a Force bond between the two Jedi. Bastila and the Council decided that the best plan to deal with Revan was the most unhinged one. Erase his memories and brainwash him, aka reprogram him to be a loyal Republic soldier. Not even a loyal Jedi, just a little cog in the machine. Like Karth. The council hoped that the bond between Bastila and Revan would allow them to discover the location of the Star Forge without having to deal with Revan being all Sithy. If you want an even more comprehensive breakdown of all things Star Wars, including a two part episode on the player character and a separate episode on Bastila herself, please listen to the Holocron Histories podcast. It's hosted by former guests Teacup and Ben of Tamaria. Yes, they do a much better job of like going over all of that than we do. They are the experts. Okay, so now to the events of the game. Yay! You're Revan. But you're whatever you've named your character that doesn't know he's Revan. And you're aboard the Endar Spire as it's being destroyed by Malak. Karth rescues you, you get out on an escape pod, and get yet another concussion, etc, etc. We've explained that part last Kotar episode, right? So you've got to run around Terrace and find Bastila. You find Bastila and head to Dantooine to see the Jedi Council. There must be something significant Bastila can do with her epic levels of space magic. And our boy Revan is clearly special, too. He's a player character, after all. Give us your orders, oh wise ones. You and she are linked, as is your fate to hers. Together, you two may be able to stop Darth Malak and the Sith. Well, do not let your head be filled with visions of glory and power. Such thoughts are the path to the dark side. The way of the light is long and difficult, as you must learn. Are you ready for such hardship? Ugh, like, the path of the light. Please, can we... It, it bugs me. I don't know why, but just like the way that Jedi believe that they are holier than you, that they are better than you because they walk the path of the light. No, 
the path of the in-between, the path of making my own decisions based on my fucking choices is way better. That is why I go Sith. At least I have the freedom to choose who and what I want to be. Rage. Grr. Okay. <laughs> the game will constantly remind you that you and Bastila are linked kind of reminds you of another space magic wielding hot lady that is linked mentally to the player character huh hmm yeah that's right Bastila walked so Liara could run up on the shadow broker and just like with Liara the game primes you for a romance with Bastila and honestly rewards you for it but we'll get to that we're busy getting trained as a Jedi Knight. Well, retrained, but Revan doesn't remember that yet. The council also says, hey, you two, go find that Starforge. The Force is telling us it's important. <laughs> yes, the Force. <laughs> ah, okay, so Vastela keeps a close eye on Revan to make sure he doesn't, like, fall back to the dark side. She tries to take her role as Jedi mentor very seriously. Almost too seriously. She is often quite holier than thou about the Jedi and their role in society. And I tend to think it's because she has long been quite gray. She isn't totally light or totally dark. She's somewhere in between. But the galaxy is purely black or white when it comes to Jedi. So she tried to convince herself by repeatedly evangelizing about the Jedi teachings and beliefs, especially to Revan. There is belligerent sexual tension between the two of them. And if you ever call attention to the mutual attraction, at least earlier on in the game, she will adamantly deny it. It's super cute. Please, I'm a Jedi. Such feelings, such attractions are well, they're beneath me, quite frankly. I admit, I find you intriguing. I, I mean, I find your command of the Force intriguing, but my interest in you is purely academic. Surely you can understand why. Our fates are strongly connected. So connected that a literal bond has been forged between us. Yes, keep on denying that attraction, Bastila. See, we don't know it yet as the player, but Bastila knows exactly who Revan is. Bastila is with Revan specifically because she is keeping an eye on him for the Jedi Council. The concept of the Force Bond is not new anymore, but it was back when this game came out. So if you go to the Wikipedia page on Force Bonds, it'll say that the first time it was mentioned was in the Voices episode of the Clone Wars show. However, this is literally a Force Bond. And Bastila has a point about the Bond being a potential cause for their attraction. It allows the bonded Force users to sense each other's emotions and thoughts. And that can influence the other. In fact... Sith will use force bonds to mind control some people. So who's to say it just can't organically make a romance happen? Mm-hmm. Space magic aside, this is a wonderfully delicious trope called Faded Mates. You usually see Faded Mates stories in fantasies rather than sci-fi. Think uninspired human girls accidentally stumbling upon a fey prince or a werewolf in the forest, and bam, the mate bond snaps into place. It's even more delicious when the people in the bond fight it, try to deny that attraction. It's usually done where an all-powerful character is rendered powerless to the bond, powerless to withstand its appeal and its destiny. Chef's kiss. That's Bastila. If you really think about this kind of romance, I think most people wouldn't like being forced together with someone, though, in real life. Like in Lucifer, when Chloe's mad about God literally creating her for him, for her Lucifer. But in stories, it's nice. It's a nice and convenient trope to use, and when done well, is so swoon-worthy. So much sexual tension, because their bodies are recognizing the need to bone, yet mentally and emotionally, they maybe aren't there yet prime real estate for a slow burn romance, which is exactly what we see with Bastila. Eventually, Revan can speak his thoughts aloud and admit his feelings to Bastila, who is not quite ready to speak on the matter right when you bring it up, but she will eventually continue the conversation. You have been patient with me, haven't you? I suppose you deserve an answer, but you have to understand how difficult this is for me to say. With all my training, I should be able to control myself better than this. 
but you're not like anything I expected. You're not like any man I've ever met before. I find myself watching you when I don't mean to. I'm thinking about you when I don't want to. It isn't supposed to be like this. Aww. Bastila and Raven sitting in a tree. K-I-S-S-I-N-G. Or more accurately, Revan is just quietly staring at Bastila while she has a neurotic crisis of faith and goes back and forth about how wrong it is to love. And yet she does. Bastila is overconfident in her abilities and the guiding force of the Jedi path. But like the random council dude said, it's a hard path to follow. It's not like metaphorically hard or only the diligent disciples can follow. It's literally impossible. They don't let you feel, and feeling, as Bastila will come to find out, actually strengthens the connection to the Force. Insert whole rage and rampage again. <laughs> but for right now, all she knows is that what she has been taught, which is feeling bad, logic good. Sith bad, Jedi good. Mm. <laughs> yes, everything is always that simple. But like most people, Bastila is not one way or the other. She's not all light or all dark. And all of her problems stem from trying to fit into one of those molds. Here's the fascinating dynamic of Bastila and Revan. They are enemies to lovers. Pretty much my top favorite romance trope. The whole game as Revan we're running around trying to stop the Sith, and Bastila is right there with us, following the man that used to be her greatest enemy. She's seeing him now as capable of great compassion and heroic deeds, and depending on your choices, maybe not even a hint of the dark side left. In contrast, as Bastila grows closer to the amnesiac former Dark Lord of the Sith, she's left more confused about her place in the Jedi Order and even her worth as a Jedi. As the game progresses, there are a few times where Bastila can act in a very un-Jedi way, slowly foreshadowing a potential fall to the dark side. The infallible Jedi, this living legend, is slowly tarnishing. At one point, she can use the Force to push Mission, your Twilight companion, down onto the ground. She will use the Force Persuade to convince Mota the Hut for a better swoop racing contract on Tatooine. If you fail to persuade him with speech checks, she will use Force Persuade on a number of other instances as well, despite telling Revan previously that the Force should not be used for profit and personal gain. As Jedi, we should be above such things. These actions are in direct violation for all that she has preached as an apparent straight-edge Jedi Knight. Eventually, she will consider the bond and tell you how she really feels. But before we get to that, let's take a quick mid-break and listen to some sponsors of the show Hear some fun facts and thank our patrons. All right, Cantina dance time. Um well, Jen hinted at the very first fun fact, but I'm just gonna steal it. Um Bastel is voiced by Jennifer Hale. Hale, yeah. Hale <laughs> to the queen. Um, duh. She's like in everything to the point that as of 2022, she is the Guinness Book of World Records record holder for the most female video game voices. Is that just amazing? I mean, I cannot believe you met her. I hope, I hope she's there next year. <laughs> I hope she's there next year. Now, another fun fact is that Bastila's mom, Helena, is voiced by Carolyn Seymour. Hmm. Y'all, that's Dr. Chakwas. So Shepard and Chakwas really do go back in history. And then Shep's mom is named Helen. 
Bioware, do we have a trend here? Do you think someone's mom is really named Helen? And Maybe. They just, like, did that. Or Helena. Cool. Mm-hmm. Something. All right. Other fun little things to talk about in the middle of the show. Spotify is at 143 ratings. Okay. As a child of the internet, or as a child of T9 texting, actually, uh, 143 is very, very special because it's one letter to say I, four letters to say love, three letters to say you. So 143 is I love you. And so while I love that for the podcast, I would also love for that number to be higher. But thank you so much. Yeah, 143. That's freaking awesome. I also did finally get the Spotify Patreon feature to freaking work together. So it does all have to be done online through the two websites. You can't use the PC app. You can't use anything like that. Patreon.com slash two girls, one ship. Then you link your profile to your Spotify profile, then Spotify.com and then go on there and then make sure that both are syncing both ways. So yay, it works. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to cancel my Patreonage to the girls for October because it already charged me for September. (laughs) Oh no, thanks for donating a dollar. (laughs) Right. And of course, you can sign up for two for a, a dollar or more to help support these girls and link your features together and get everything all in one place if you are a Spotify user. And of course, we thank all of our patrons at those higher level tiers, including Apollo and Toasty, Becky and Bat Knight, Miss Theos and Muffney Cake, Winifer, and a newest patron, hopefully. It's working and this is what you wanted to do. Mackenzie, welcome to the club. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Big hearts, big Thank you love. so much. Yeah, we talked about it before we started recording, but like whatever was going on with Patreon is fixed. Everyone is appearing as they should, as far as I know. So everything's good now. But thank you so much for your patience and also your support. I just like went back to the script. I'm like, oh, it's me. It's my turn. (laughs) Okay, Jen, let's get back to that sweet, sweet confession of love. Personally, I'm beyond ready for Bastila to finally admit her true feelings and for them to just bang already. Can they just bang already? Okay, we'll bang. I can't deny that there are parts of you I'm drawn to. Your power, your will... You are so much stronger than I am. In some ways, you make me feel weak, like I'm caught up in the wake of our destiny. But at the same time, you make me feel stronger, more alive. I realize now these feelings are part of the bond we share. The Jedi Council surely realized this. They knew my loyalty to the doctrines of our order would be tested on this mission. By facing and overcoming my feelings for you, I've learned a valuable lesson about control and the dangers of emotion. This is an important step in understanding the Force. I'm sorry if this is not what you wanted to hear, but I felt that it was important you know our infatuation was nothing more than a result of our powerful bond. Hmm. It's not exactly how I imagined that going. I find it interesting that she says these feelings are the result of the bond. You can hear that and think, oh, the bond between the two of them is giving them the illusion of love, an artificial infatuation just purely from the mental link. But what I think she means is the bond with Revan, the former Dark Lord of the Sith has created these very Sithy feelings in her. She doesn't say, I love it when you defeat a crate dragon and find my dad's long lost holocron for me. She says, I am drawn to your power, your will. You make me feel stronger and alive. You know who values raw power? The Sith. Their whole organizational structure is essentially whoever can kill the top dog and defend that spot is the new top dog. 
I think she's trying to convince herself these very un-Jedi-like feelings are a result of an unintended but very real bond with what was once the top Sith dog. Yeah, to me it sounded like there, there was sex in her voice. Like, that was really good. And then it also had this little bit of like, I'm feeling submissive to you. And I don't know how I feel about it yet. I, I mean, it's got to be because, you know, like, that's the amazingness that is Jennifer Hale's acting. But like, I, I felt that it was yummy. Now, whatever the cause of her feelings, Bastila does have an attraction to Revan. I wouldn't call it love just yet, but we'll get there. To further the romance, you have to choose one of two dialogue options. Although you can also choose to not continue the romance and agree with her decision. So to romance her, you must say either, you know I'm right, Bastila, or you don't always have to be strong, Bastila. Give in just this once. After, she replies with yet another flustered, but it's against the rules line. You must either say, shut up and kiss me, you babbling fool. Or, I love you, Bastila, and I know you love me. Now, some dialogue variations can occur, and a Bastila may end up being the one saying, shut up and kiss me. But either way... It's an option for one of them. Mm -hmm. These dialogue options, I think, would hit a lot stronger if they were from a voiced player character. Just me personally. With them just written and not spoken, they can sound a bit harsh and clunky. Like, I think they might be trying to go once again for the sassy banter of Han Solo and Leia. But it doesn't hit as hard when only one person is speaking. And the one who's speaking is, like, panicking a bit on top of it. It feels a bit like Revan's the high school jock in the dugout, pressuring his new girlfriend to give it up, like, Fast Times Richmond High style. It's not that dire, but, like, it can feel a little bit like that, because he's kind of having to convince her. Or, it's just a product of the times, like, the game came out in 2003. But it also could just be, like, trying to calm her down, because she is kind of panicking. But of course, once you've chosen whichever dialogue option to further the romance, you do get a kiss. And she immediately regrets it. We shouldn't have done that. It was wrong. The Jedi are not allowed to fall in love. It was it was a moment of weakness when I kissed you. We shouldn't have. I'm sorry. No, I know we both wanted it, but we shouldn't have given in to our desire. We're Jedi. We can't act like this. Not now. Not where we still have to deal with Malak. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I don't blame you, but it was a mistake. I have to get out of here before somebody sees us together. I had to leave the last two seconds of that clip in there because you can literally hear her running away from you. And that's just comedy to me. Like, it cracked me up. Okay. So, technically, I have a scene to break down here. I feel like you haven't had one in forever. I know. It, <laughs> what, what is going like, on literally. with this show? Where is my sexy sex? <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. In this scene, they are practicing social distancing 20 years too early. They are literally so far apart on the screen that the camera angle has to switch back and forth in order to, for you to see the two characters. <laughs> so far apart. It's hilarious. Now, after you say the shut up and kiss me line, or whoever says it in your playthrough, it fades to black while you two are still standing so far apart. It then comes back from the fade to the line that we just played, and they are still standing in the exact same position. So, standing super far apart, shut up and kiss me, they run together to kiss really quick for two seconds, and then split back apart and go right back to where they were standing. 
Yeah. Okay. That was that was it. But at least they reference it. They let us know that a kiss did happen. It is something. We didn't get any kissy kissy with with Karth. So at least we do here. Now this is a tough spot for Bastila to be in. On one hand, duh, this is Darth fucking Revan. But she can't concede with the apparent true servant of the light side, the compassionate protagonist. Is that who he really is? Or did the Jedi's reprogramming of his mind completely change him? Who is it exactly that she is falling in love with? Of course she ran away, because she can't answer these questions yet. But this doubt leaves room in her heart for some darkness to further creep in. The love itself is a problem, too. Jedi can't fall in love. What would happen if he were to fall to the dark side again? Could she bring herself to stop him? And what would happen once he found out who he truly is? So many juicy, wonderful, glorious questions for this crisis of character. And she doesn't get much time to ponder them because she and the rest of the party get abducted by Darth Malak's ship, the Leviathan, and tortured by Saul, calls personal hell, a.k.a. mortal enemy. Remember Karth? Yeah, I forgot him already. Just kidding. <laughs> I do remember Karth. Um, but compared to Bastila, what is Karth? So they are trying to find out where the Jedi Council are holed up at. But of course, Revan doesn't spill. Revan's will is so strong, he brought himself back to life once. Of course, that happens after the events of this game, and none of that is canon anyway. Revan is a badass and deserves his own Disney Plus show, but I digress. It's during the subsequent escape from Darth Malak that Revan's true identity is finally revealed to his companions, and Bastila is taken captive after some epic lightsaber dueling. It is this moment that heralds her fall. The others escape, but Bastila is tortured for a week. By Malik. The next time you see her, she is his newest apprentice. She's fully fallen to the dark side and has a new goth girl outfit to really drive that fact home. Revan, Juhani, and Jolie engage her in another epic lightsaber battle, and eventually, Bastila concedes the fight and says that Revan should be the new Dark Lord of the Sith. Clearly stronger than Malak. She says she will be his apprentice and lover. And I will be utterly yours, master. And I will never seek to replace you. It's very interesting that she says this because it is a very un-Sith-like. The Sith's entire order rests on the ideals of the strong replacing the weak. If apprentices stop challenging masters, the whole thing falls apart. I mean, what do they even do? (laughs) We're going to talk about the canon ending of this game, the light side ending. So at this crossroads, we will be walking the path of the Jedi and not taking up her offer of sexy Sith lover. Back aboard the Starforge, Darth Malak orders Bastila to kill Revan to prove that she is wholly devoted to him and the way of the Sith. She agrees, saying she will not fail him again. Oh, but she will. Sometimes it's okay to fail when the test is stupid. When Revan and Bastila meet aboard the Starforge in the final confrontation, Revan must fight and defeat her three times, each time trying to convince her to return to the light side. I found that interesting that you had to fight her three times. Because it's like, in Korea, you have to refuse something three times before you can accept, otherwise you look at as rude. Like three is just a very important number around the whole world. So I don't even know if that's like a reason why they picked that. Um, Same thing with like when you're converting to Judaism, you have to ask three times before they know you're serious. Anyway, I digress again. When Bastila finally realizes that she cannot defeat Revan, even with all the power of the Star Forge bolstering her abilities, she asks him to kill her quickly, end her shame with dignity. 
Revan, in my preferred ending and the canon ending, once again pleads with her to return to the light. Astella believes that she isn't strong enough to be a Jedi, that she is filled with too much anger, hate, and fear. She won't ever find peace in the Force again. Revan confessed his love for her, and she finally believed him. She finally let herself really connect with her love for him as well, and was willing to try and redeem herself. You were brave, and some would say foolish. But you were also right. The dark side has not wholly consumed me. I cannot raise my blade against you. You will go on to defeat Malak. Of this I have little doubt. He will have gone from being the Sith Lord himself to the savior of our galaxy. And you said you loved me. This may not be the best time to say it, but I love you too, with all my heart. Aww. After this, Revan says... You're not afraid to love anymore? She replies. After this, nothing could make me feel safer than to be loved by you. That's a powerful line. Because being safe is so integral to being loved and to loving somebody in return. Thoughts, we. I like that because I feel like we didn't even really talk about, which we can get into soon, but like her whole life, she was basically rejected in love aside from her dad. And that was so long ago when she saw him. And then after she was given to the Jedi, they tried to train and meditate her feeling out of her because they convinced her that to feel is to be weak and she must resist because that is the dark side otherwise. And then the one time she feels like seen and safe is in this force bonded person's mind that is supposed to be her enemy. And I think I've heard this story before. Is it Ray and Kylo Ren? I mean, this came first. But like true Star Wars fashion, they borrow, a.k.a. straight up retell the same story over and over again. But it's because it's good. Like, this is a good story. I love this. I wish we got this on the big screen rather than Raylo. I know a lot of people love that, but I don't know. I like this. I like it, too. Oh, With her newfound confidence in herself and her love for Revan, she promptly turned the tide of the battle in the Republic's favor by whipping out her battle meditation. Revan goes on to defeat Malak, the Star Forge is destroyed, and then we get the quintessential Star Wars ending of a medal ceremony with a Wookiee yelling, I'm not doing a Wookiee impression, no matter if you put it in the script, honey. I I don't know if, like, I, I know there are people who can do it, but it's not me. It's not um, me. The, it's not me. The closest I can do is, like, oh. <laughs> I can do kitty <laughs> meows. Yeah, kitty meows. Like, I can do that. I can roll my tongue, but I can't do whatever a Wookiee does. Okay, so, um, and that's the end of the first game. But not the end of Revan and Bastila's love story. In the canon ending, the two get married and settle on Coruscant. Coruscant? Mm-hmm. I'm so scared to say it this time. Oh, they settle on Coruscant. They don't get along with the Jedi Council anymore, though, because the Council kind of forbids marriage and love. But these are two truly powerful Jedi. They are on the gray side now. They walk in between the dark and the light, strengthened by both, but commanded by none. As Jolie Bindo says, love doesn't lead to the dark side. Passion can lead to rage and fear, but passion is not the same thing as love. Controlling your passions while being in love, that's what they should teach you to beware. But love itself will save you, not condemn you. Yes. Yes. Okay, Jolie, I like you. And I really do like this line. If the Jedi followed this, I might be able to follow their path a little bit better. I agree. That's why I love Basil and Revan the most, I think, is because they are in the middle. 
Although their story doesn't necessarily end happy either. I guess it's kind of mid, considering how most love stories in this faraway galaxy end. Bastila gets her ego prego, and then Revan had to go off into the unknown to find something, something dark side. And then the true Sith captured him. But like Solus in Dragon Age Inquisition to a romanced Lavellan, Revan will keep an eye on Bastila through the Force Bond and their dreams. <sighs> Forever apart, yet still on my mind. The end. Just kidding. <laughs> this, lovely listeners, is where we would normally end our show. But tonight, we have an extremely special guest. Long-time listener, first-time caller, also happens to be married to my wife. It's Benny! We're a happily polygamous, uh, polygamous, polyamorous. Jeez, I, I did that again. <laughs> polyamorous Pacific Northwest couple. Let's move. I'm going to move to the couch. Hold on. I'm going to mute so I don't like annoy everyone with the ASMR of shuffling a microphone around. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hello, everybody. <laughs> My Hello. Yes, it's Mr. V. Oh, it's, okay. This is your Mr. guest. V nicknamed benny tell us your well first of all you are supposed to introduce yourself and your pronouns that you like for the interwebs and uh, tell us your kotor origin story all right good evening everybody i am benny i use he him pronouns i absolutely love kotor this game came out in what 2003 when i was graduating high school and Bastila was my first love outside of Topanga Lawrence from was that Boy Meets World? Yes. So this this was my very first game that took me away from just the very stereotypical boy games of playing nothing but Madden or 2K or FIFA. And so this game allowed me to develop a character, made me think of critical decisions, falling for the love of the Star Wars before Disney kind of ruined a few things with Adam Driver. So then you get to see really great things such as, well, just everything. I'm sorry, I lost my notepad. I was looking for it. He took notes. Oh, where did you put it? I don't know. I love that. Yeah, I know. Uh, but no, I've, I absolutely fell in love with all of it. I enjoyed the big suspense of not knowing that you were Revan at the very beginning, uh, that you were just some cog or some, I think, a Republic uh, soldier. And you got to go in between picking what type of class of a person you wanted to be, whether you wanted to be a, uh, I want to say a scoundrel, a soldier, or there was uh, one other class that I can't remember off the top of my head. And character development can't not stop talking about that, especially for something in 2003 that I had never seen before, which may not mean a whole lot. Well, no, I mean, I played any of the other games. I fully agree. Like the level of your own personal character growth in something like this was seems really, really new for back in 03. I had definitely uh, played a lot of games where there was character growth and development development but are in a pre-planned story not necessarily anything where i got to make the choices in how my character was being developed and granted i didn't play kotor back in the day but watching these videos now i'm like these are things that we've seen progress in other video games but i feel like this is the earliest version of this that we got to see it was almost like our free world or open world before open world really became. And I mean, just the difference between Kotar 1 and Kotar 2, just the graphics alone were, were amazing. But that's not what we're here. Yeah, do you remember if you romanced Vasila the first playthrough, or did you only play through once and you for sure romanced her? Like so I played through three times, and in those three times, I had to be a good guy. 
every game I've ever played, I've always been a good guy, whether it's been Kotar 1 or 2, Red Dead Redemption, Red Dead Redemption 2, all of them. I've always had to be a good guy, make the be the hero. And so I definitely romance Bastila every time because I can't like differ from that. Because she is a I thought she was amazing. Um Jennifer Hell, who I did not know at the time and uh was a wonderful voice actress. I do agree with what some of the things you guys say of um some of the lines being very clunky. Definitely not as good when you're reading them. Maybe that's just through the 2023 eyes and not the, the 2003 eyes. So we talked a lot about Basila. Did you hear or learn anything new about her? Uh, so some of the things I did learn, I never really knew her backstory as well. I think I remember her dad was a treasure hunter. I think I remember that she had a bad relationship with her mom. I brought up my notes. I have about a small page. Uh, so one of the big things I did learn was I really feel like their relationship between like the four spawns and how uh, Bastila keeps questioning her feelings for him, for Revan. Um, it reminded me a lot of the Geralt and uh, Yennefer uh, storyline of, a, what was it, a gin that they... Mm-hmm. So it really reminded me, which if I'm not mistaken, that book came out in 1993. So maybe some stealing of some storylines. So the whole Yennefer and uh, Geralt Jin stuff, the original book came out in 93, but it wasn't converted from Polish to English until much, much later. And then on top of that, the actual Geralt and Yennefer portion of them getting together wasn't until like the third or fourth book. So... But 2003, I don't know. You don't like Yennefer? We're going to fight. We're going to fight. I love Yennefer. I mean, I, I like Triss okay now. Okay, go on about... Um, Sorry. Yeah. I think one of the other things I noticed was that I kind of feel like Bastila was a little bit jealous of Revan and Malik. At this point in time, if we can think of the galactic world, I don't, I don't have a good word for that. Uh, Republic? The Republic had been at war for several for all of their life. So they roughly started a war around four thousand. What is that? Before Yavin, whatever the oh, like three thousand nine hundred and forty-two or something. Like if almost four thousand years before that battle. So if I'm not mistaken, uh, Revan was born in like three nine nine six or something like that. And so they've been at war their entire life, and the Jedi are not meant to be. They're more peacekeepers. They are humanitarians. They do, they're not really war fighters in the grand scheme. If you would go off what was old canon, now legend-based information, which I have a lot of strong opinions on. So I have a sneaking suspicion that when she, as a Jedi Knight, seeing two other Jedi Knights in the form of Malak and Revan rebel against the Council and stand up against them to try to, I think originally to defend the, uh, the Republic, that they were trying to avoid fighting the Mandalorians. And I think she was a little bit just jealous maybe uh maybe she admired them for their bravery for trying to go for what was right and ultimately in that battle that revan and malik took their little forces off they went into the deep space or whatever the proper terms are uh, the where, the realm, <laughs> where the reapers live where the reapers and they found the Starforge, and they obviously came back a year or so later, not so nice people. But I always felt like with, you know, everyday life, human competition, they, she may have been just mildly jealous, maybe admired that they stood up for what was right. Since, you know, many people were dying at the hands of the Mandalorians that they were trying to take over a new uh, space, new worlds. That was something I found out about Revan that I thought was super cool. It's only because I didn't really know anything about him until researching for this episode in particular because it's like more canon, you know, rather than Karth. Mm-hmm. But like his mask is a Mandalorian mask that he took and he was like, I won't take it off until I stop the Mandalorians. And like that's his look that he got. So I thought that was a cool bit of lore. I don't know if she was jealous is more of like she I think she admired them, but also maybe they served as a cautionary tale, if anything, because 
like Revan and Malak were supp- especially Revan was supposed to be like the best Jedi and then they even got taken to the dark side and so back then when she was like oh no but the light side but then when she was a kid too Basila was like I won't become a stuffy know-it-all like the Jedi Council but then she kind of does go that way a little bit also interesting fact Revan's like 10 years older than Basila too so like he was already a full-grown adult when she was still a baby Padawan like learning stuff I think maybe jealous was not the correct word I a level of admiration maybe yeah because you see that they were the best up-and-coming stars of the you know Jedi community that they end up falling to the dark side i still hate the way the game portrays like who jahani and bastila fall to the dark side i think that not to make light of what i'm about to say but i think it's like depression and depression you can have down songs that some people can say that you are depressed vices clinical when malik and revan came back they were truly set in the fact that they were wanting to do their own agenda whereas jahani mistaking an accident and going into a uh, like a cave or whatever it was and dwelling on her thoughts thinking she's bad when she was just misguided isn't her falling to the dark side yeah like basila gets tortured for a week and basically forced to be like okay okay i'm sith and then Everyone's like, oh, no, she was always weak-willed. All the things were there. Of course, she would fall to the dark side. It's like, wouldn't anyone, if they were tortured for a week by jawless wonder? Yeah. No, I fully agree with that. And that, and I don't really like the term falling to the dark side. No, it's a path that you choose to walk on. You didn't fall there. You decided to go down that route. Yeah. I would also say that a fun fact for other noted Gray Jedi's is Guy Quan Jin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, the Gray Jedi path Liam is that's Liam Neeson. Okay. Yeah, I'm not. I only I haven't seen those ones since I was a kid. So, and he was empowered by none other than his master, who was Obi Wan Kenobi. No, that no. was his apprentice. Oh shit! <laughs> who was his master? Uh, Count Dooku. Yeah. Oh yeah, and he became a Sith Lord, right? And then guess who? Yes. Who's master? That was Revan's apprentice. No, right? Yoda. Oh, shit. Yo- I don't know Star Wars, apparently. <laughs> There's so much shit to know. How are you supposed to know? Oh, okay. Anyway, back to Bastila. Sorry. No, yeah. it's okay. We This is literally our whole thing. <laughs> Do you feel like we did this romance justice? Yes. I think you kind of have to be go with the canon side because if you don't go with the non-canon side i think you can kill her run her off i mean you can run karth off which Mm -hmm. is a positive (laughs) oh uh, we only like karth because he's voiced by kaden yes raphael sparge please tell me you remember who kaden is so i had a friend that played the game with me at the same time and he was more Yes, he played Kotar with me around 2003 at the same time, and that was still a theme. He hated Karth, and so when they got to the planet with the Star Forge, he actually decided just to be as ugly as he could be to make him run off because he thought it was a funnier death that he would be stranded on this deserted planet, essentially. Because I think you can make him run off on the beach scene. Yep. Yeah. Yes, you can. And yes, it's funny, but it's also like, oh, poor Karth, you were just trying to be a good boy and doing the right thing. He has... He has the highest light side rating out of anyone in the party. I don't care. No, I'm just saying, isn't that crazy? He is a -a wish version of... No, he's a wish version. Oh, he's a wish version. Not (laughs) me. I mean, I still hate him. Oh, okay, wait. So do you think that there was anything about this romance that you would change or have made it better in some way? If there would have been a male voice actor or a female voice actor, I think that would empower your actions a lot better. Like I, I completely agree with um I completely agree with your guys' opinion that 
you can when as reading it you can voice it in your head a lot more but i also sometimes with like uh inquisition when you have the two or three voices for each uh the the male or the masculine feminine versions yeah i kind of wish every rpg had a voice just because that makes me role play better i don't care if it's not my voice like i like having a voice but so i agree with that (laughs) i don't want to hear my voice i want to hear somebody else has a commanding (laughs) voice yeah and especially when it comes to other lines like so when we talked about it, like the ones that you can say, like, where are they in the script? Oh, you must say either shut up and kiss me, you babbling fool. That line can go so many different ways. Shut up and kiss me, you babbling yeah. fool. In comparison to shut up and kiss me, you babbling fool. You know, it's like two very yeah. different ways to interpret that. Oh, OK. I guess. Do you have any final thoughts on Bastila? Uh, hands down, one of my favorite romances. I think she's up there with Cassandra from Mass, or not, just not Mass Effect, but uh, Dragon Age Inquisition, who is one of my favorite romances and uh, video game romances. She's been one of my favorite, I think, female Jedi characters, because I think Kotar 2 had a lot of bad female Jedis that are just betrayal. So she's been one of my favorite Star Wars female Jedis outside of... Felicity Jones character in Rogue One. Mm, no, she's, she not a Jedi, though. she's not a Jedi, but still one of my favorite female characters in the. Uh... Well, like for female Jedi, other than Basila, you have Ahsoka Tano yep. and Rey. Yep. And is there anyone else? I don't think there is. Like, not a. Well, Leia, character. Leia Organa Leia is. Force... It, she's a Force yeah. user, but she doesn't walk the yeah. path of a Jedi. Um, yeah. Uh, there are a ton of unnamed female Jedi. Like, we see them all the time. I need more. I mean, agreed. She's been down as one of my most favorite characters that I've played video games in the last, what, 20 years or so. And I would like to think that kind of stands out. She popped your RPG game cherry and video game romance cherry? Yes. All right. My only other question is, who are your Dragon Age romances? <laughs> Cassandra. What about like Origins and DH2? Oh. oh, I only played Inquisition. All right. Uh, do you have Mass Effect romances? So in which was the Mass Effect? The one where you go in outer, like way outer space? That's Andromeda. Andromeda. I, I was a whore. <laughs> I slept with everybody. In the same playthrough. Appreciate. You get an achievement for that. It's called the hat trick. (laughs) So. Double points for being a soccer pun. So, yeah, I, that's how I played that one. Did I, I'm trying to think of who you could romance from. Uh, Describe them. I'll tell you. In which game? (laughs) Yeah. Which, which one? I played, what was it? Mass Effect 2 the most. Yeah. You romanced Miranda. I romanced uh, Tally was my favorite, and I have her little statue on her little nerd wall. Yeah. And Tally was my favorite so far. She would be probably my, if I had my Mount Rushmore of uh, female characters, it would probably be Bastila, Tally, Cassandra. (laughs) Cassandra? And Scout Harding. Lace Harding. It's both. Scout Lace. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Because no, I just like her name's Lace. Loved her because you could flirt with her all the time. She was witty. She Who's never gave voice? it up. No, she didn't. Who's her voice actress again? Somebody important. I don't remember. She's like the person you could never get. Right. You can't romance her. Oh, Allie Hillis. Oh, that's uh, Liara. Also, Liara. Yeah. That, that's what I, I was like. I remember somebody, somebody big in another game. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Do you got any plugs? Got any shout outs? Well, before we end the show. V, what was the version of it that I sent to you in Discord? Oh, okay. You sent me. Yeah, Be- before okay. we wrap up the show, is there anything that you want to shout out or plug besides your wife? I don't have, I mean, I have social media. I don't do anything on it. I'm still in my rot phase. Like two people will laugh at that and know what that means. 
post navy rot phase. You and deserve a break after everything you have been through. After fourteen years. I can't wait to play Starfield. Like hopefully maybe this weekend. And yeah. I can actually get through it or start it at least. I'm not trying to get through anything. All He's right. on the Discord too. Yes. For for y'all. <laughs> Uh, it is a good spot for us to wrap it up for the night then. And if you like what you are hearing, please be sure to leave a review on iTunes or on Spotify and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can now find me on the Cyberpunk Lorecast with my co-host Toasty, where we explore the foundations of the past, the state of Night City today, and the news of the future for all things cyberpunk. And of course, in our Two Girls One Ship channel on the Robots Radio Discord. And come give us a follow on all the social medias and on patreon.com slash two girls one ship. Our theme music was composed by the ever talented Pipe Man Studios, and our artwork was designed by the esteemed Let's Not. Links to all of those are in the description. I'm on the Robots Radio Discord as well, and our own two girls one ship Discord server where we nerd out on all our favorite CGI significant others. Be sure to check out our live streams on Twitch on Fridays at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 7.30 p.m. Pacific Time. Our podcast episodes release on Mondays because you need at least one good thing on a Monday. So thanks for listening. And remember, beauty is in the eye of the controller. And may the force be with you. Ever wanted to be a content creator, but had no clue where to begin? Come join me as I sit down with content creators that have already faced the challenges you're up against, as they discuss the tips and tricks that help them be successful, here on The Content Creator's Guide, available wherever podcasts can be found.